When we're talking about 108 billion pounds of meat or addressing homelessness, we have to take every win that comes our way. Don't ignore it. Don't say saying something is not impactful enough. Do it all because it's sometimes hard to do it all, but do as many as possible because that's the little wins that can add up to big change. This is C2C, where we cover innovation in the food and CBG business from conception to consumption. Welcome to this episode of the podcast, everyone. Today, great guest, Christy Legali, who is CEO of a really neat company you're going to learn about called Rebellious Foods. Christy, welcome to C2C. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you all. So you've got you've got an interesting background. You looking through uh, looking th- through uh, your resume on LinkedIn and, and your background on Rebellious Foods website. You've uh, you you've been involved with animal welfare. You've also been an engineer, and now you're an entrepreneur. So tell tell our listeners about some of that personal background and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, thank you. You know, like many people, I find it really empowering to make it possible for us to like pursue our passions. And one of the exciting things that I've gotten to do in my career is to try to, you know, seek out a lot of different passions in in respects to either, you know, supporting the um, the reforms on the welfare of animals or pursue my goals as an engineer. And now also, as you said, as an entrepreneur. But, um, you know, in the end, a lot of those things kind of came together in my entrepreneurship, but I, I definitely happy to tell you about the history of my work in animal welfare. Um, I'm a, I'm a longtime ethical vegan. I think I was telling somebody it's probably been 25, 26 years at this point. Um, and then I, I've also, you know, advocated for a long time for political advocacy for animals, whether it be changing laws to protect, you know, dogs or animals sold in pet stores or changing laws for, you know, protecting wildlife. Um, Those are all things that I've always been interested in, but I always kind of did them on the side. Um, My professional career was in aerospace and um, really, really was excited to do that from the very first time I I got the opportunity to work as an engineer and went to school to be an engineer um, because I I find it just so intellectually challenging. and, And it's also such an opportunity to change the world in a whole different way. So when I decided actually I wanted to be an entrepreneur or, you know, really just decided I wanted to address a major animal harm and a climate change harm and a human health harm, um, I decided I needed to find a way to combine my passions as an engineer and combine my passions to protect people, animal and the planet, animals and the planet. And that's essentially why and how I started Rebellious Foods. I was really combining those passions to see the best and most effective way I could make a difference in the world. Did you just one day say, okay, I'm no longer working uh, as uh, as an aerospace engineer and now I'm going to go start up a company? Did you plan that for a long period of time in advance? How, how did that all come about? Well, it's interesting you say that because I would say, you know, even in my teenage years, I kind of always wanted to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> I found that to be something like, you know, in my, when I first went to college and when I first started trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life, I always thought being an entrepreneur would be great. I always thought it'd be nice to work for myself. It would be nice to pursue, you know, solutions to the world, but it never really congealed around a company or an idea at that time. Um, 
And then I, I ultimately decided to become an engineer. It allowed me to, you know, pursue intellectual passions and also passions around aerospace and, you know, space travel and things like that. So those, those were very exciting things. But again, I didn't really see how to merge those with my interests um, in being an entrepreneur. It wasn't until much later in my adult life um, that I, I saw this opportunity to ultimately say, okay, well, I'm spending all my free time, um, you know, working on animal welfare, advocacy, advocacy for women's rights, for advocacy for climate change, um, addressing climate change, things like that. And so I kept thinking back to this idea that, um, you know, there's a way to essentially make a difference in the world um, through entrepreneurship. And, you know, this idea has be, was had been and has been becoming more and more popular over the last five years or so, as more and more people are seeing that companies can exist to make substantial, real and lasting change in the world. And I was really inspired by that. I met some people through the Humane Society of the United States, where I was volunteering and still volunteer for. And I was under, you know, learning from them um, that there are ways um, such as the way that, um, you know, Josh Bulk and Josh Tetrick, who were two founders of Hampton Creek, which is now called Eat Just, started their company. I was inspired by that. I was inspired by a lot of other founders like Uma Valetti, um, who started Memphis Meats. And those people really inspired me to say, OK, well, if if there is a major problem with how much um, how much meat we are replacing on our plates, maybe I can do that, do something about that as a mechanical engineer, and in this case, as a manufacturing engineer. So that's when I really started to coalesce around this idea that I could start a company that would solve one of the major issues in an advocacy issue that I cared about. That is excellent. And um, um, did you, went through the Humane Society, did you also get to know Paul Shapiro, who's been a, a guest twice on this podcast and also is an entrepreneur in the in the protein alternative space. Yes, I'm a big fan of Paul Shapiro's and the work that he's doing at the Better Meat Company. I think it is it shows to how many different ways that you could make an impact and how many ways there are still are to make an impact. But fundamentally the work that they're doing at the Better Meat Company is really exciting because they've created a new protein source that is more like meat from the, you know, in its native form and allows us to make, you know, products similar to the ones we have today, but with, you know, a different ingredient profile. And that ingredient profile offers even more benefits like more nutrients or, or less processed material, things like that. So I'm a big fan of what he's doing. And yes, I did know Paul even back then and was really excited to see the, the, the direction he was taking his startup. But it really does go to show you that there are just so many ways and so many big problems to be solved in this industry that we, ha we can have, you know, hundreds more companies <laughs> being solving various different aspects of the supply chain to get us more and better plant-based meat or even clean meat or plant-based dairy or replacements for dairy or replacements for other animal products or replacements for, you know, testing on animals or replacements for um, leather or, you know, um, various different other materials that are derived or taken directly from animals. There's just it's almost an endless number of opportunities. And I, I really encourage people to, 
you know, explore that if that's the direction they're really inspired to go. Let's pivot to Rebellious Foods. Tell tell our listeners about your company and what your mission is and what your strategy is. Yeah, so Rebellious Foods is a food production and production technology company working to make plant-based meat available and affordable for everyone. The way we do that is we develop new technology for making plant-based meat faster, better, and cheaper. So as you can imagine, making plant-based meat um, is made you know, in a food manufacturing facility, much like the one I'm at right this very moment at our facility in West Seattle. Um, right here in our facility, um, we, we make our products, the products that we actually sell to the world under the name Rebellious Foods. We make chicken nuggets, patties, and tenders, all plant-based, of course. We even make some special nuggets for the National School Lunch Program, and again, all plant-based. Um, but doing so is a, is a difficult process. Making plant-based meat is expensive. It takes some more steps than you would normally use to make animal-based meat products of the same similar, you know, ilk, essentially. And, and so what we are doing here at Rebellious Foods is on the other side of our facility, we host and set up and work diligently on a research and development lab that's designing a new generation of plant-based meat production equipment that makes these products faster, better, a higher quality, and considerably less money than what is made is used when we are making them with conventional equipment that is available to plant-based meat companies now. And that's really, really important because, as you know, plant-based meat is fundamentally only going to solve the problem of replacing meat if it's available and affordable to everyone. And so that's our goal at Rebellious. We actually have a, a corporate name, which is called Seattle Food Tech, but our brand name is Rebellious Foods. So we sell products under the name Rebellious Foods and we patent equipment and design and develop and deploy equipment under the name uh, Seattle Food Tech. And both of those sides of the company working together, we will be able to make the most cost-effective, highest quality plant-based chicken on the market. Mm. And so even though it's an incredibly exciting category, uh, let's call it all protein, it's it's getting more and more crowded. So is that the primary way that Rebellious Foods stands out and carves out a niche for itself? Is the is the cost factor the more affordable factor? Yeah, it's the cost factor, but it's also the quality factor. So I actually believe, I agree with you, that there are a lot of people coming out with plant-based chicken products these days. Um, however, it's just important to notice that in the United States alone, we produce over 108 billion pounds of animal-based meat every single year. And yet we only produce between Impossible, Beyond, Morningstar, and everyone else, we only produce about one half of 1%. So a half of a percent of that 108 billion is how much plant-based meat we produce. So it's not even enough plant-based meat for every American to have one plant-based meat product per person per year. That's how little we make. So while we say it's a very crowded space, ultimately we don't make enough of it. And so that's the problem that Rebellious is trying to solve is that scaling the plant-based meat industry is being, is being held back by the fact that we didn't have the right tools until Rebellious designed them. And so that's, that is what makes us stand out, is that we have a great product too, 
but we're going to be able to effectively scale it to make plant-based meat in other places with the same quality as you would get here right here at our headquarters. And that's really, really important because being able to, um, shall we say, export that quality to new locations is what's going to allow it to be available and affordable to everybody. And that's super, super important for, um, you know, seeing the plant-based meat industry grow. Mm -hmm. So uh, I haven't compared this week or this month the price differential, but you mentioned Impossible, you mentioned Beyond, which are obviously meant to be very close analogs to beef and to hamburger. And last time I checked, it was probably 3x, right? If, if, 3x if, is exactly uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Two, two something a pound versus seven fifty or $8 a pound, something like that. So so we all know where that is on the on the beef analog side. Where, where are you folks on the chicken side? You know, on the chicken side, when you look at the plant-based chicken industry, it's really closer to even 4x. Um, chicken is cheap. And while plant-based chicken you know, should also be cheap. It is not, it doesn't even come close to the price of chicken. So part of what we really need to see from our technology deployment to, you know, make plant-based meat, man, you know, manufacturing much more efficient is a, is a good 60% drop in the cost of making plant-based meat so that we can reach that price parity with animal-based chicken products. And you also have to understand that one of the reasons mm. that chicken products are so cheap is that engineers have spent the last 70 years designing automated equipment to make chicken products very, very cheap. What we're doing at Rebellious is exactly the same thing. We're designing automation tools, better, faster, cheaper tools that allow us to make these products with the same high quality. You know, the consumer doesn't know the difference, but Fundamentally, they don't cost as much to make because so much of the operation is automatic. So mm. Are, it's really important, you know, to get the price down because, as you said, it's not if it's that much more, people are only going to choose it once in a while. And, and, and what can you share in terms of, you know, your projections on, you know, when the lines might meet or the lines might cross for, uh, for plant-based chicken alternatives versus chicken? Yeah. So, I mean, right now, if, you know, as we are continuing our efforts at Rebellious Foods, I expect the lines to cross between chicken and plant-based chicken um, the end of next year, early the following year. That's when we will be able mm. to deploy our production equipment and have it up and running at scale such that we would be able to see for the very first time a production facility offering a cost of goods sold at or lower than the price of chicken. Hmm. That's pretty exciting. Um, what you know? Speaking of time frames, if 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 you were to if you were to look at this this whole space, uh, you know, take out your crystal ball, um, mm -hmm. the alt protein space, whether it's uh, you know whether it's uh, you know plant based analogs or fungi, which you touched on briefly, or cell cultivated meat. Um, where, where do you see this whole industry going? What, what are your projections for a couple of years from now uh, versus maybe 10 or even 20 years from now? 
Well, first of all, I would like to see Rebellious change the future of that projection because I think if we continue on the path that we're going on as an industry where we see a lot of early stage plant-based meat companies and even cultured meat companies, but let's focus on plant-based for a second. We see a lot of plant-based meat companies. There's not enough manufacturing for them. So they're constrained by manufacturing or they're sending them to co-mans and co-manufacturers. And those co-manufacturers may not even hit the same quality. That, that scenario is just like barely organic growth. We're not even beating the growth of the meat industry with the plant-based meat growth. Even though the growth number is higher in the plant-based meat industry, the the animal meat industry is growing at 3% a year on top of that 108 billion pounds. So we have to do better, better than the growth of the animal meat industry to start making a measurable difference in this industry. And that's where I see the important work of Rebellious and Seattle Food Tech. Whereas if we are changing how plant-based meat is made, we can take, you know, leapfrog some of this organic growth and go straight towards better manufacturing, higher volume manufacturers, more scalable manufacturing that allows us to take it from, you know, a half a percent of plant-based meat versus animal-based meat market to closer to one to two percent in the next year, closer to five percent in two years. But we need the technology to do that. So I think that if we can change the game, and it's a lot about, you know, it's, it's about, you know, use the wrong tool, you're not going to get very far. Use the right tool, you can make, you know, orders of magnitude strides over using the wrong tools. And that's exactly what we're trying to fix here at Rebellious Foods. So I think we can really make over the next, you know, two or three years, maybe even a one to 5% difference in how much plant-based meat is being produced and ensure that we've got good high quality there. But over the next 10 years, I'm really, really excited about the merging of the plant-based and the cultivated and the fermentation space. So we see, you know, wonderful products like fermented um, texturized Riza, or not texturized, but naturally textured Riza protein that comes out of the Better Meat Company. We see amazing mm-hmm. products that are coming out of pea protein plants. Um, but also the texturized, or not the, um, sorry, the cultivated meat products that are being made by the various cultivated meat companies like Memphis Meats or Alk Foods or all of these different ones around the world will continue to merge with the plant-based space being that that is fundamentally what the meat industry is doing. So in the meat industry, you know, people have always known that chicken nuggets were actually partially soy and partially meat anyway. Um, that's the case for a lot of processed meat products is they, they have a little bit of plant-based ingredients in there anyway. So I can see more and more of our plant-based products being partially cultivated and partially plant-based and more and more effectively, you know, spreading out the spreading out the availability of cultured meat products. And then, of course, the more we invest in infrastructure in both plant-based meat production systems, uh, fermentation production systems and uh, cultivated meat production systems, the better off we're going to be in 10 to 20 years. But Remember, we're not going to make a measurable difference in the animal meat industry in terms of replacing these products until we can actually make a substantial amount of them. So that volume is key and that strategy to getting to the volume is incredibly important. It's, it's going to be 
It's going to be an important strategic question, you know, literally starting today, you know, for every plant-based and cultivated meat company is like, are we using the right strategy getting forward? Because if we're not, we don't want to scale bad technology. We want to scale technology that's going to take us the distance because, you know, I'm not really sure we're going to have a second chance at saving the planet. Mm. So, uh, so you mentioned consumers are still eating a lot of animal-based protein. I think you said 3% a year more than in the prior mm-hmm. year. Yeah. So you've talked about cost and the economies of scale. So taking out your crystal ball a second time, when, when do you think there might be an inflection point where consumption actually starts to fall in a significant way for traditional animal-based protein? Yeah, I think it falls when you hit price parity. I think it falls pretty fast once you hit price parity because um, that is one of the major reasons that consumers still choose meat. It's cheap. It's really cheap in the United States. It's cheap for a lot of sad reasons. It's cheap because there is, you know, low wage or unpaid labor of people working in chicken processing facilities and slaughterhouses. It's cheap because a lot of um, a lot of people in the supply chain are getting subsidies from the U.S. government, although I don't really think that's the driving factor. And and it's cheap because it's a very old industry that has been heavily optimized for, like I said, seventy years. So when we beat the price of chicken products, that's when I think we'll see um, consumption fall of animal meat because. At that point, people then are no longer choosing between harm to themselves. They're now being able to choose, you know, whether or not to harm an animal or harm the environment or harm, you know, even harm our health. Um, Because so many people live on, you know, a lot less money than, you know, even the average amount of, imagine, average American. They are choosing with their wallets. They're choosing the cheapest products. It's why sugar and soda still sells to people in very low income places or low income, um, you know, brackets is because that's still the things they can afford. It maybe fills them up. It's not good for them. But at the same time, if we can make products that are good for you and make them available and affordable to everybody, that's when we're going to see consumption fall away from the, you know, the Tyson chicken nuggets and start to go towards the rebellious nuggets or other plant-based nuggets that are on the market. I'm here with Christy Legali, who is CEO of Rebellious Foods. Um, Christy, let's let's pivot to the general discussion on innovation because there is so much innovation going on in this in this space today. Um, give give us your world view on innovation for for this segment, the uh, the plant based segment. What what? Talk to us about the people you've seen there, the people who are succeeding in this space. What, you know, what are their mindsets? What are the qualities or talents that you're seeing today in top innovators out there? Yeah, you know, right now we're seeing a really interesting time in, in human history when the innovators of the world um, are starting to be more and more the people who are using their talents and their time to solve egregious social problems. And while that isn't true across the board, there are still, you know, people doing all sorts of things to make money and, you know, essentially suck money out of the consumer. 
you know, fundamentally, what is going to take us the distance for the companies of the future are companies that are addressing the major crises of our time. So companies that address climate change, human health, animal welfare, which is a huge one, even though maybe the consumer doesn't see animal welfare as a top of mind issue. It is a serious moral issue for a lot of different reasons in that the growing and farming of intensified farming of animals puts us all at risk. It puts us at risk from um, pollution. It puts us at risk of air pollution. It puts us at huge risk for the next global pandemic, which unfortunately may actually end up being bird flu if we're not careful. So I think that we, we have to see, I, I really admire the innovators out there who are using their companies and using their time and energy to solve social egregious problems. And what I see over and over again are companies that when they do that, it's so fundamentally needed. It's so at the core of what our society needs that they almost have to spend less time trying to sell the dream and more time getting to execute it. And I think that's really, really important. So let me give you an example of this, maybe outside the food space, since we've been talking so much about the value of what we're doing inside the food space. There's a wonderful company here in Seattle called Pallet. And what they do is they basically design, build, ship, and even set up instantaneous temporary housing. So these are houses that are the size of a pallet, um, obviously not houses, they're shelters, the size of a pallet. They're, they're super secure, lockable. They've got HVAC and they've got the ability to have somebody to have a bed and a clean place to live for, you know, in a very small space. And they can set these up anywhere. And what's so amazing about this company right here in Everett, uh, Washington, is that they knew that it wasn't enough to address homelessness through social justice advocacy they actually had to solve the problem of homelessness, which was homes <laughs> and not having mm -hmm. enough homes in the right place at the right moment. They had to make homes, you know, portable. They had to make them instantaneous. And that's what they did. And they've been enormously successful in addressing some of the major social justice issues around, you know, everything from refugees from wildfires right here in the United States to homeless encampments where people were getting sick from COVID. And so I really, really do think that companies like this, as they fundamentally, you know, drive towards their mission, will continue to see success by addressing these social and egregious social justice issues. Mm. So innovation, uh, frequently it's messy. For every success, there's probably multiple failures what what can you share with our listeners any any personal stories you can share in 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 your business endeavors on success and and failure without giving away any company confidential information <laughs> sure well you know i think that innovation happens on a lot of levels it can happen in innovation and in how we you know, market products out to the world. We can be innovative in how we make more products. We can be innovative in how we manage food safety. We can be innovative in design and development of new engineered equipment that changes the cost structure of plant-based meat production. And one of the things that we really try to show here at Rebellious is that there are a lot of ways to win. 
there are a lot of ways that we can essentially make our life, make the lives easy, you know, make the jobs easier for our production team. And that is a true innovation that should be celebrated, whether that just be, you know, getting a tablet. So it's easy to put in some of the, you know, food monitoring information or being able to um, do the small things that, you know, make it easier for a team to reach ingredients. A lot of these things are, you know, very much encapsulated in like lean or lean plus principles, but they truly are innovation and they should be valued. So what I guess I'm really saying about that is that small incremental innovations can make a really big difference. You know, one of the things that I feel like was really hard for me when I was starting Seattle Food Tech and which we later call now call rebellious foods was that it sounded almost too easy to do what I was suggesting we were doing. Like I was like, okay, I want to start a company that redesigns the equipment so that we can make plant-based meat faster, better, and cheaper. And everybody said, oh, if that could be done, it would have already been done. Well, no, it wouldn't be because I think a lot of companies saw it as too easy, mostly because they never had tried. And in the end, it wasn't that easy, by the way. (laughs) It was far from easy. But, you know, what Rebellious and, and in other companies that I see as being successful, especially in dra- addressing social justice issues like pallet making, you know, portable, flexible pop up housing. These seem like simple solutions from the outside so much so that people don't go after them. And that's that's ridiculous. Like, let's go after them. When we're talking about 108 billion pounds of meat or addressing homelessness, we have to take every win that comes our way. Don't ignore it. Don't say saying something is not impactful enough. Do it all because I, it's sometimes hard to do it all, but do as many as possible because such the little wins that can add up to big change. And so I would say, you know, my view on success or failure of innovation is the only failure is not trying. <laughs> and the successes don't have to be big to be big successes. You're an optimist and and you're achieving great things at Rebellious Foods and you're hoping that the lines cross on cost parity in a matter of a year or two. That sounds terrific. Lots of good news on the horizon in your viewpoint. So, Chrissy, what would you say are the biggest challenges or speed bumps that you see in this space with innovation? Yeah, I would say the biggest challenges right now, well, first of all, is COVID-19. I I think that, you know, if you're not vaccinated yet, please, 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 please do whatever you can to get vaccinated. Um, It it really is just going to make life easier for yourself and everybody else. But right now, and for half the life of my company at Rebellious Foods, COVID-19 has been one of the biggest challenges we've been dealing with. It changes how we work every day. It changes our supply chain. It changes, you know, where people can get our products instead of food service. They get them at the grocery store. So, you know, for us, the speed bumps really are about the pandemic and the fallout of the pandemic. So everybody can help each other by getting vaccinated and and making sure that um, making sure that they, you know, adhere to as many COVID-19 protocols. Now, the only reason I say this is so important, because your question was, you know, innovation in this space or the biggest challenges or speed bumps for innovation in this space, is that as a lot of people know, the food industry was one of the hardest hit when when COVID-19 was so badly 
um, it so badly took over our company, or sorry, our country. And what we saw was the meat industry really took the brunt of it. And we saw that, um, you know, people in chicken processing facilities and beef processing facilities and slaughterhouses were the ones that took on the brunt of spread of COVID-19 because they couldn't really stop the, the diseases in those places. And they were very cold and they were um, a lot of people all crammed together. It was a very, very difficult situation. So I see both this as a challenge, a major road bump, but I also see it as such a great opportunity for us to say, you know what, the meat industry broke under a global pandemic. It kind of broke for the right reasons because these, you know, people in slaughterhouses were not getting paid enough. They were not safe enough. Um, and so I really see our our work in the plant-based meat space as an innovation to solving some of the major problems in the meat industry and major problems in the meat industry that were exposed by COVID-19. Mm. What can you share on what's next for you and for Rebellious Foods? Yeah, so we have an exciting uh, four months ahead of us. We are in the process of deploying our first production system. Um, over the next four months or five months, maybe it'll take just to get everything in order. Uh, we are going to be deploying a new production system that should show the world that we really can make plant-based meat at, at you know near or getting near to the cost of the price of chicken, which is really, really exciting because... We, we know that it's, it's one thing to design a new system that can ha be hands-off, automated, it looks slick, it makes the plant-based meat, but it's in our laboratory. Now we're ready to get it onto our production floor, and that's what we're going to be working on the next four months. But not just that. The whole purpose of showing that we can deploy our equipment in production and in real-world production, which is our production floor here at Rebellious Foods, is to show the world that the infrastructure of the chicken processing industry, of the further processed chicken that processing industry that makes chicken nuggets, patties, and tenders, those facilities can be our next conversion opportunity. We want to convert chicken processing facilities with our new production equipment so they can make plant-based meat chicken. And that's one of our long, you know, our, our short-term and our long-term dreams is that being able to give the meat industry a viable path forward in the plant-based meat space is one of the best opportunities we can to quickly bring up the volume, make these products available to everyone, and show the world that the price is really there for consumers to eat these in our, our plant-based version instead of animal-based meat. Also, it also provides meat processors with an economic incentive to convert to plant-based. And fundamentally, that's what we have to do to really shift the industry. In a couple of years, are you going to both be producing your own product and licensing out your equipment or yes. selling the equipment? How's, how's that all going to work? Yes, exactly. We're a really innovative company from the perspective of having two revenue streams on the horizon. Um, I mean, obviously we already sell our products, the rebellious chicken nuggets, tenders and patties you can get online or at grocery stores or 200 Safeways in the Seattle area. 
or um, not or I should say and, and I should say is our equipment side of the house will actually be able to license and sell equipment to other manufacturers um, we will also use it for our own purposes of course um, so we can make our own products faster better and cheaper but yes exactly the benefit of being a being a company that will impact the world on a large scale is that we we don't just have one strategy to do it. We're gonna make products, make them available and affordable to everyone, make them scrumptious and delicious and meet the needs of consumers. But we're also going to design, develop, deploy and sell the equipment so other manufacturers can do the same thing. And essentially it provides our company with two revenue streams, not just one. And not just two revenue streams, but two different ways to accelerate change. Um, And so, yeah, so, well, good for you. We're rooting for you to succeed. (laughs) Thank you. And what's so exciting is that, you know, we can sell that equipment to a manufacturer who can then use it to maybe make the Impossible Burger or the Beyond Burger, but they can also make our products too. So maybe we sell it to a place in China or something like that. Then we have the opportunity to uh, say, okay, we, we sold you the equipment, but now we'd also like to pay you to make our products. Um, because we know you can make them the correct way, which is using this equipment. So it, mm-hmm. it actually, we're, we're paving our own path forward. We know that manufacturing is a bottleneck for plant-based meat. We are changing that road forward to be able to fundamentally define our own future. And so by selling our equipment to contract manufacturers, that makes them an even more valuable um, partner for us to make more and better rebellious products. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Chrissy, I ask every, every guest the same question, uh, and it's a two-part question. What, what advice would you give to two different sets of folks? First, uh, innovators who are already working in the food and CPG space. And second, new people just starting their careers in this space and in innovation. Yeah. So for innovators who are already in the food space, I'd say, you know, first of all, always get more and more advice. (laughs) You can never have too many people sharing what went right and what went wrong and helping you make better decisions each and every time. So I would say the more we can share, the more we can share what went right, what went wrong, the more we can work as a community, the more we can effectively um, get as much plant-based meat products out there the better everybody's going to be. And, you know, I, I often, I often get asked, you know, how do you manage competitors like impossible or beyond or anybody else coming into the space with plant-based meats or plant-based chicken products? And I was like, you know what, in three years of selling this product, I, we rarely, if ever even run into the competition because when you only make one half of 1% of the volume of animal-based meat in plant-based meat, there's a lot of customers out there waiting for these products. So, you know, we need to act as a community. And the more we can, like I said, pave the way to the future, the, the more effective we'll all be at being able to offer these products to as many people as possible. Mm, good advice. And then, yeah. The second question you had was about, you know, people just starting out in their careers. Well, I really, I would encourage people to, first of all, you know, Find your passion. And if you don't know what your passion is, try something because there's nothing like trying, seeing what you like, figuring out what you don't like to, to help you figure out what you do like. 
So a couple ways to do that is, you know, volunteering for social justice issues that you care about, whether that be women's rights or animal rights or environmental rights or you know, whatever it is that, that you feel passionate about, you know, get involved and use your energy to make a difference in the world. And then there now, because there are so many social justice impact companies out there, they're all looking for people. If you go onto the rebellious site right now, there's about eight jobs available. There'll be even more in the next week or so. So we have jobs for project managers. We have projects for all levels of equipment, integration, deployment, you know, build engineers. We have job openings for executives. We have job openings for technicians. Um, there's just no end to the ways that you can make an impact by getting involved in an impact-focused company. So if you're just starting out, you're learning about this space, you're figuring out what you want to do, I highly recommend getting in, you know, essentially applying and getting involved in a plant-based or a clean meat or fermentation kind of company. Terrific. And um, I assume people can also reach out to you. What's what's best through your website or LinkedIn if if they yeah. want to uh, not only look at job opportunities, but also pursue a conversation on these lines? Absolutely. Always happy to talk to people. So you can reach our website at rebellious.com and it's R-E-B-E-L-L-Y-O-U-S. So rebellious, like your belly. Um, and it's .com, so rebellious.com. Uh, look for the Join the Rebellion button on there to figure out where the jobs are. Most of them are both based in Seattle. Um, however, we do have a couple remote positions on there. We, we don't have a whole lot of those because we are a food manufacturer and an equipment designer, so it's a very hands-on job. But all, overall, it is really, um, you know, there's, there's quite a few jobs on there. And then to reach out to me or to people on my team, definitely utilize LinkedIn. Um, but you can also reach us through info at rebellious.com. And again, it's R-E-B-E-L-L-Y-O-U-S.com. And, you know, if you have a question for me, they'll, the team will make sure I get it. And if you have a question for other people, we'll make sure you get an answer. Christy, any, any, anything else, any other thoughts or comments you'd like to share with our listeners before we go into wrap up? Yeah, you know, I think I just like to say that, you know, this is such a great time to be getting involved in this space and in, in food reform overall, you know, because we, we have some really big problems that we need to address. And the recent, um, the recent IPCC report on climate change and the World Health Organization reports on climate change and the impacts of maybe future pandemics or the impacts of wildfires and floods, et cetera, all point to the fact that we are all asked to be on deck to make change. And now that we are shifting our economy to make change through companies, there's just no better time to take a risk, see if there's a company out there that would work for you, or find a nonprofit that you feel like you can either volunteer with or make a difference to really address the passions that you are going after. Because I, I know I like, I often talk to a lot of people who are just like, I don't know how to get involved. And the best way to get involved is just to pick throw a dart at a dartboard and say, which one should I do first? You know, if you can't choose, let the dart choose for you. <laughs> but there is nothing like, you know, getting into something to learn about it just long enough so that you know what's right for you. And then really listening to that as you go forward. Um, because 
we don't really have a whole lot of time to waste on um, these major issues in the world. We need everybody on deck to be making a difference. And so I really encourage everybody to, to jump in there because I think you'll find community and support and, and a, lot of, uh, a lot of a good outlook for your career doing so. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of challenges, but a lot of opportunities as well. I'd like to thank my guest today on C2C, Christy Legali, CEO of Rebellious Foods. Christy, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute joy. Thanks for listening to C2C, where we cover innovation in the food and CPG business from conception to consumption. Just type the letters CTOC, no spaces, to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, and Google Play.